0: Hello, this is Sean Dixon and I'm here with Brian Patterson and John Gonzalez. We are each return mission presidents for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and this is the Preach My Gospel mission prep podcast. We are here to help prepare you to become successful Preach My Gospel missionaries and lifelong disciples of Jesus Christ. In each episode, we explore powerful concepts from every chapter in Preach My Gospel. We will talk to return missionaries and others about their experiences and insights. You can even use this podcast to get Institute credit. Let's get started. Hello, listeners. We're back with uh, TJ Moore for another episode of of the podcast featuring Chapter 6 on Christlike Attributes. So the first episode that we did on this chapter focused on kind of the framework, why Christlike attributes are important, how do we develop them, and so forth. And then last time, we went through the first several attributes in the chapter, and in today's episode we will conclude with with the remaining Christ-like attributes it's up through the the attribute of diligence. Third so, times the charm, right? Third time. times the charm. <laughs> ready to dive back into this TJ? I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's Thank do you. It. Ready? Thank okay. you for the invitation. Sounds good. Let's begin where we left off last time and and start into the next attribute. Knowledge. Knowledge is so important. I mentioned earlier as as far as morning study, part of why we study is to fan the flames of faith, but another part is to in- increase our knowledge and I think that's interesting that that's considered a Christ-like attribute. How did the Savior demonstrate the, the uh, attribute of knowledge? How do we see that in Him? And how did that affect His ministry? Any thoughts there?
1: Well, I love as we think about the the, the efforts that are meet being made with our youth and setting goals in different areas. Uh, and we, we get very little of, of the Savior's younger years. But in Luke 2, uh, verse 52, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Uh, that, that idea of increasing wisdom, as you read section 93, the Lord clearly wants us to understand that, that he had to, to grow grace for grace, that he had to increase, that he wasn't given a fullness at the beginning. Uh, like us, we have to grow and we have to develop. And to increase in knowledge, uh, as it says at the very beginning of, of uh, Preach My Gospel, the Lord commands us to be seekers, seek learning, even by study and also by faith. This requires a tremendous amount of, of brain work, of, of reading, of studying, of pondering, of thinking, right? It's not sufficient for a missionary just to be spiritual. But rather, a missionary has to be competent. And, and I think as we get into the scriptures, and here's a plug for Preach My Gospel, uh, it's one thing to be spiritual. It's another thing to become a great missionary and to develop the skills and the abilities. That's part of the seeking knowledge of learning how to teach, of learning how to find, learning how to plan, and, and, and so forth. Um, and the Savior's a great example of that through his childhood, through his younger years, and, and invites us to do the same.
2: What are, are some suggestions that you, brethren, would offer to a listener that struggles, let's not talk about missionary work, just struggles with the concept of study? What, what suggestions would you give to them to start the process to, to learn how to love to learn?
3: Yeah, I love that idea of loving to learn. I think that curiosity and the capacity to ask good questions may be one of the single most important things you can cultivate. Um, I taught at a, a seminary with students who had kind of failed out of traditional school. And many of them, it was interesting, thought that they were really dumb. They thought that they were just like the leftovers, that they didn't get any intelligence. But I realized very quickly they had So much capacity in other intelligences, right? So maybe reading is not your strong thing, but you're a good listener. Being able to learn in the way that works for you and to be open, receptive learner all of the time. I had a a companion. I served my mission in the South and uh, people in the South love to hunt and fish. You would have been right at home there, Brian. They love to hunt and fish. In fact, so many of them, you know, have big, huge trophy animals on the walls and stuff like that and I am a lousy hunter and fisher. I love the outdoors, I love nature, I, I've been hunting and fishing, I'm just a lousy fisherman, but I love to learn, and I love to ask people about, tell me how to get better, and tell me what do you fish for, and what do you use, and, and that genuine interest in someone else, not only helped me be a better learner, right, but it was this, it was this capacity, um, even though that was something I felt like I wasn't very good at, someone else is good, and recognizing that someone else is good and that I can ask those people who are good what makes them good, that's a way of learning. Even if your learning style is not book learning or going through, you know, learning the language, asking people, why do you why do you pronounce it this way instead of that way? Why do we use this word instead of that word? Like learning to ask those questions and then you understand the why. And so often when we have the why, the what comes a lot easier. Like President Uchtdorf talked about he said learning English was like the worst thing for him, right? He said it, his tongue was not designed to speak English. <laughs> it, was, it was so painful and difficult. And then he went, but he would go every morning to the airport and he would watch these planes take off. And once he learned that most pilots needed to learn English, he said all of a sudden English became so much easier to me. His why trumped his what. And I think when you ask questions and you learn to get to the why, the heart of things, the the what will come?
1: I think of a, a young missionary that came into our mission. In his words, he had a slough seminary. He found lots of reasons to go home after <laughs> sacrament <laughs> meetings, so he sure. wasn't a part of Sunday school. And and as he got out of the mission field, and as he as he felt a a desire to to be a good missionary, he looked around and and he recognized he was way behind many of his companions, the other missionaries. Uh, An interview, he just expressed concern that he just wasn't good enough. And I said, well, you can accept that. And you can go on and be a very average missionary. Or you can pay a serious price in those morning hours. And maybe even in some of the evening hours to play a little catch up. And uh, to his credit, this young man paid a price. He spent his time diligently in the scriptures, in Preach My Gospel, About a year later, uh, he became a mission leader. And he was a mission leader because he understood Preach My Gospel better than most other missionaries. He was pretty much a blank slate, and he just (laughs) soaked in Preach My Gospel, both the doctrine in Chapter 3. He learned the doctrine for himself, and he learned how to implement the strategies and, and the fundamentals of missionary work. Uh, This missionary quoted Preach My Gospel way more than I did as the mission leader and way more than any other missionary. He became a walking Preach My Gospel. He paid a price because he wanted to be a good missionary. And the Lord filled in the gap.
0: You teach a really powerful principle there that, that sometimes certain things are more hard for us than somebody else but certain things we do that are easy are hard for that person. And it doesn't mean because it's hard or it's not your thing that we just write it off. It just means I might have to work harder at study than somebody else does. And that's okay because there's other things that come natural to me. But just because something isn't easy doesn't give us the excuse to write it off because seeking knowledge is going to really help a lot. Can you imagine uh, trying to talk to someone in a in a foreign language and and you don't have the knowledge to communicate with them, your ability to help them understand the gospel will be decreased. And so there's your why. Why am I going to like pay the price in my study of of Spanish? Because of Carlos, I want to I want to talk to him in his own language, and this is super hard for me. But I'm going to be diligent because it matters, you know, it really matters. Or I'm going to really collect. Uh, uh, passages from the Book of Mormon so that I can help answer the questions to people's soul. Because I have those 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 scriptures at my at, at my command, I can then answer somebody's question with a verse of scripture. People like with ADD may not be able to sit and read for an hour. So read for 15 minutes and then do push-ups, get yeah. a snack and yeah. go back and read 15 minutes and You know, just do it the way that works for you. It doesn't look the same for everybody else,
2: ultimately. For me, read for five minutes, (laughs) snack for an an hour. (laughs) Read for another five minutes, snack for another hour. I think of the scriptural admonition to ask, knock, and seek for someone who has the desire but doesn't feel like they have the skill set, that they pray, they ask for it, And then they knock. They start doing the work. They they actually go through the process and they look for those things that will give them greater understanding, greater knowledge. Back to the attributes exercise on the back, they can assess what are they lacking and then work towards building that knowledge up.
3: Yeah, I, I love that. I love that principle you just taught us about ask, seek, and knock. But sometimes we get it in reverse. We get knocked down <laughs> and then we have to seek. We're like, oh, what the heck just happened? And I have to ask some real important questions, right? And I remember on my mission, uh, again, served in the South, the Bible Belt. Lots of people love the Bible. I remember a lady wanted to me to read a verse in Amos and I couldn't, find I didn't have the tabs on my scriptures and I couldn't find Amos and I was searching all over to find Amos. And she said to me, you're a minister for your church, and you don't know where the book of Amos is? And man, I felt like <laughs> such an idiot. I, I was like, uh, I got knocked on my butt. Uh, and, uh, and I really had to seek for like, am I really going to be that kind of a missionary? And so I paid a price. I paid a price to know the scriptures better and, and to really know them. But I I got knocked on my butt first and then it gave me an opportunity to seek something better and to ask for that gift in my life and to seek it out, you know. And then I was able to use the ask, seek and knock and, and God opened those doors for me. But sometimes we may get knocked down and really have to look at our life and say, hey, I have a deficiency here and I can turn to God and he can make it sufficient.
0: I just love how these attributes are leading from one to the next, but patience is the next one, right? So if, you're, if you struggle with gaining knowledge or learning the language or, or with your study, what better attribute to focus on than this great attribute of patience? At the end of your mission, uh, you, you get a chance to do this thing called My Plan, where you kind of plan out uh, what you're going to do when you get home. And part of the process of My Plan is evaluating which Christ-like attributes you've developed. And uh, I remember asking missionaries always, I would review their plan with them and I would say, so what, what attributes do you feel like you developed on your mission? How did you change? And the number one attribute that I would hear, I don't know if you were the same, you you two, but the number one was, was patience. <laughs> I feel like missionary life is the perfect laboratory to learn the principle of patience. Things just don't happen on our timetable in the way we we want things to happen in a nice transfers. Hey, I'm being transferred on this day. So (laughs) all of these things have to happen before I leave, or I want to learn the language in two months because my brother, he learned it so fast. And it's just not the reality. It's the, it's the laboratory. We have to understand God is giving us an attribute that will probably bless our life almost more than any other. Right. Well,
2: that's the attribute I learned as a mission leader. <laughs> oh, Elder Dixon, patience. <laughs> just patience. I'm
0: sure I would have tried your patience a lot.
1: And a mission truly is a crash course in patience. It's 100%. one of those attributes that I think you're going to learn or you're going to be compelled to learn, right? you get to decide to learn it or you're going to be forced to learn it. Because life as a missionary just doesn't go the way you want. You're going to have to be patient with, your companion with those you're teaching. You're going to have to be really patient with yourself. Uh, you'll make plans, and these will be inspired and great plans, and they will fall through more often than, than they happen, right? Way and, more often sometimes. Yeah, that's right. Well, I love the uh, first
2: sentence under the section of patience. Patience is the capacity to endure delay. And and our society and even uh, me in an Amazon society to hit the button and have it arrive on your doorstep today, I've developed this expectation of I want it now That's and I food. can't wait. Yes, yes. 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 And and so it's the capacity to to be able to wait for the blessing that comes later. And uh, the the capacity to go through the dieting process and the exercise process to have the result of of a year later or six months later of having a fit body and ripped, uh, you know, like I have, <laughs> you. like you can, like me. Um, it's that capacity. The picture <laughs> not to show the video, <laughs> it's just, just the audio. Here, where's my crumble cookie? <laughs> yeah. um, but it's it's the ability to. Delay that desire to have it now for the greater good later.
1: The capacity to endure delay, to accept his timing, it says in Preach My Gospel again, you must wait for the Lord's promised blessings to be fulfilled. So timing seems to be central to developing this attribute and understanding that timing. Elder Maxwell said this, patience is tied very closely to faith in our Heavenly Father. Actually, when we are unduly impatient, we are suggesting that we know what is best, better than does God. Or at least we are asserting that our timetable is better than his. Either way, we are questioning the reality of God's omniscience.
2: And, and this also speaks to you who are listening as you're working with families and individuals to have patience on their development, mm-hmm. have patience on their progress too often, missionaries will want to push for a number. Let's, let's get them in the water now and pressure the individual, which I don't think is in the Lord's plan. Have patience, and it could very well be that that individual does not accept the gospel or is not ready during your time in that particular area.
3: I was just reading yesterday a talk by Elder Renlund in April 2015, uh, Latter-day Saints Keep Trying, in this talk, he just talks about a saint is a sinner who keeps trying, right? Just this, this last, almost last paragraph, it's the second to last paragraph before he finishes up his talk and bears his testimony. But I think it goes right to your, your point here about patience, not only with ourselves, with others and the people we're teaching, because things won't work out the way you expected. He says, my invitation to all of us is to elevate our lives, repent, and to keep on trying. If we don't try, we are just latter-day sinners. If we don't per- persevere, we are Latter-day quitters. If we don't allow others to try, we are just Latter-day hypocrites. As we try, persevere, and help others to do the same, we are true Latter-day Saints. As we change, we will find that God indeed cares a lot more about where we, where we are and about what we are becoming than where we once were. And I just love that idea that like we need to give people that space as well and and ourselves that otherwise we're latter day hypocrites right that we if we don't actually allow people the space and time to 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 change and become something we miss the point of being latter day saints and uh, i just i love that insight
0: maybe the 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 next most common <laughs> attribute that a missionary would say they they gained on the mission was the attribute of humility <laughs> right <laughs> you talked about being knocked on your butt right like the, just the, the challenges, the, the, the discouragement, the disappointment that, that often um, is involved in missionary work. I think one of the great things that all those disappointments do is they cause us to be humble. They cause us to recognize our dependence upon God. That's my favorite definition of humility. When I am humble, it doesn't mean I'm weak. It doesn't mean um, I don't think I can do great things, or it doesn't mean I I lack confidence. It's just that my confidence is placed in God, and I recognize where I am in relation to that. Again, I'm humble because I'm merely His instrument, and I'm confident because I know He's working through me.
2: Let me share this little uh, poem by Nellie Skinner. This was in... The church magazine in like 1908 so this wow. is wow. years How ago do you even <laughs> you're on your mission at the time <laughs> excuse me Sorry. but it's a it's a, a neat little poem anyway i i love it it's about humility and this is what she writes give me thy counsel lord thy guiding hand when i grow weak lest i forget my need of love and sympathy tomorrow's strength I ask not today, teach me but to obey. For thou art the unseen hand that guideth me, O God, sometimes against my will perhaps, but always theirs in time of sorest need. Then teach me to bow down in humility at thy command. Nor ever asking why, teach me obedience, God, lest I forget thy sovereign will. That thou art him who maketh nations weep, who causeth kings to fall, then why not me, O Lord of hosts? Teach me humility.
3: And I, I, I love what both of you just shared about about learning humility. I think uh, a mission will teach you humility. Like you said, you'll either learn it or you'll be compelled to learn it. I, I remember I had been out about 10 months. I was training a new missionary, and we were going to go teach a, a first discussion. Um, we we're going to share the Joseph Smith story and, and all of those kind of things. And, and by the time you've been out for a little while, you know the, the Joseph Smith story backwards and forwards. You you could you could recite it all the way. So I was going to show my companion that I was a great teacher, that I really knew how to teach. And I was really just going to wow my companion. And uh, I think the Lord was like, oh, let's see how you do by yourself, <laughs> Elder Moore. <laughs> and, uh, you want to unplug yeah, for me? Yeah. Let's see how it goes. But let's see how that goes, Elder Moore. So we get to teaching this, com- this uh, lesson. And I go to share about Joseph Smith. And I literally could not remember his name. I couldn't remember anything that had happened to him. I was like, uh, we believe in this, uh, <laughs> we believe in this kid um, <laughs> who did stuff. <laughs> anyway, after the the lesson, it obviously did not go super well. And uh, uh, we did not baptize that individual. They probably never wanted to see us again. After that, my my companion goes, Elder Moore, that didn't go so well, did it? And I said, no, Elder, that, that did not go so well. And he goes, I'm really sorry. I thought I was a little bit better prepared. I said, no, Elder, I'm so sorry. I was so prideful and I'm so sorry. And then this was the classic moment. He goes, so who was that kid you were talking about? <laughs> and I said, that was Joseph Smith. He said, that was the Joseph Smith, <laughs> And I was like, yeah, I'm really, really sorry, Elder. I'm really sorry. And it just taught me, man, you you can try to do the work by yourself. You can rely on your own skills, your own charisma, your own talent, and you will get nowhere. Or you can be humble, and, uh, and he will take you places you never thought you could be.
2: There's uh, an individual in... In American history, I think he was a Supreme Court justice. He was a politician, but he was also a pastor of, of some renown, William Jennings Bryan. And he said, humility is a rare virtue. If one is rich, he is apt to be proud of his riches. If he had distinguished ancestry, he is apt to be proud of his lineage. If he is well-educated, he is apt to be proud of his learning." Someone has suggested that if one becomes humble, he soon becomes proud of his Mm. humility. Christ, however, possessed of all powers, was the very personification of humility.
3: I love what other Ugdorf says quoting this very famous talk that many of our young listeners may not even be familiar with. If you want a great talk, uh, you may not have ever heard of this talk, but it's a talk, a classic a talk called Beware of Pride by President Benson. It's a must listen. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a must listen to it. It really is a must listen to it. And, and you may not be familiar with it just because it was given a while ago. Elder Uchtdorf uh, goes on and he, he kind of gives a second chapter to Beware of Pride. But he says, humility is not thinking less of ourself, but less about ourselves. And I think that's what Christ did so well. He always turned people back to the Father over and over and over. It wasn't about him. It was about the Father and the Father's work and doing the Father's will, that, that he never got caught up in himself. In a
1: previous section of Preach My Gospel in chapter 4, President uh, Gordon B. Hinckley highlights two different missionaries. And I love what he shares here. And this is coming from his own mission, He says, I always remember two young men who served in my mission. One was a superstar. He was educated. He was bright. He was quick. He was a little arrogant. We had another who was a sign painter. He came from a sign shop with very little education, but he knew his inadequacies and he relied on the Lord. When he prayed, he knew he was talking with the Lord. It wasn't a rote thing, it was a conversation. And that young man accomplished wonders while the other young man went through the motions. The power that was in the one and the absence of power in the other was so apparent. Call upon the Lord. He has extended the invitation. and He will answer. I just love that comparison here. Uh, the humility of this missionary to be able to call down the powers of heaven. And that's what we need. We need missionaries who, who are humble, who can, who can rely upon the Lord despite their own inadequacies and they can learn to trust him and submit themselves to him and with that comes real power as i as i observed missionaries uh, during the course of our time i recognized missionaries who understood that they don't climb up or down some proverbial ladder that that you know they would become the district leader then the zone leader they just didn't seem to worry about that they learned that as a missionary you move forward and backwards mm-hmm. You move forward when you accept an assignment from your mission president. No matter what the assignment is, no matter where it's at in the mission, and you move backwards when you don't accept that assignment or when you accept that assignment begrudgingly. Uh, I remember one of our assistants, he was called to be an assistant early in his mission. Uh, He was a wonderful young man. And as it became time to make a change, I pondered deeply where I might assign such a wonderful an influential missionary. And the impression that came was that he was to be called to be a junior companion. Mm -hmm. That would be a strange thing to happen in a mission. The the assistant released to go be a junior companion, I suppose. That'd be strange for other missionaries. Uh, But I felt like there was a young man in our mission who, who I, who needed, who the Lord needed to be a leader and the Lord wanted to, to give him leadership opportunities, but he needed a tutor he needed a mentor who would not get out in front of him and not take on the role and gather people to him in, in, in this particular zone, but would work from behind and and and, and privately help tutor this missionary. And so I, I called him to be a junior companion. and And I know that throughout the mission, lots of missionaries were saying, oh, I wonder why he's the junior companion. I made no announcement. I didn't have to somehow justify this. I, I didn't do it. I just let it stand like any other transfer, any other assignment. And to his credit, he understood that uh, I move forward when I accept any call. And he served with just great humility. And he helped this young man who the Lord wanted to to give leadership opportunities. Uh, he, he just quietly and behind the scenes and humbly tutored him. He, he built this missionary up in front of his his zone rather than saying, I doesn't know what he's talking about. He doesn't know what he's doing. How come I'm not the zone leader? Uh, and I'll forever be grateful for the humility that I saw in this missionary. Uh, he, he made a difference, uh, and it didn't matter where he was serving.
0: Well, we have uh, two more attributes to discuss in chapter uh, 6. Obedience we devote the entire episode to. Episode 7, we I think we called it the complexity of obedience because that is such a critical Christ-like attribute. So let's conclude with just some thoughts about diligence. I think that's that's a great one to have, kind of conclude this discussion about.
2: When I think of diligence, I think of the little quote, the mighty oak was once a little nut mm-hmm. that <laughs> held its ground.
0: <laughs> I love that. and I, I've always loved the quote in the red box here by President Ezra Taft Benson. Um, I have often said one of the greatest secrets of missionary work is work. If a missionary works, he will get the Spirit. If he gets the Spirit, he will teach by the Spirit. And if he teaches by the Spirit, he will touch the hearts of the people and he will be happy. There will be no homesickness, no worrying about families, for all time and talents and interests are centered on the work of the ministry. Work, work, work. There is no satisfactory substitute especially in missionary work. When we're feeling down or bad, it, it, the tendency might be to to quit working. I got to go rest. I got to go stop. I got to hang out in the apartment for a long time. And, and I never found that to be something that would help missionaries be more happy. It's it's when they came home at the end of the night after a hard day's work and just kind of plopped themselves on the bed, regardless of the success that they'd had that day. but But they knew that they had been diligent and had given... The work that day, their very best effort.
3: We had a a phrase in my mission: one more, one more contact, one more door, one more, uh, one more chance to try to make an invitation. Just, just one more. And I can't tell you how many times uh, we were ready to go home, we were ready to be done. Like, and you're going to feel that on a mission. If you haven't experienced it, those of you who are on a mission right now and are listening to this to help you be a better missionary, you, you know that there are days when you just want to go home. You just want to quit. You want to be done, and you don't want to do anything else. And I can't tell you how many times it was one more one more door, one more person. Uh, I remember we had a, a lunch appointment, and they weren't quite ready for lunch. And so we decided to go out and do some tracting just right by the house where we were going to be having this lunch appointment. It was getting time that we needed to get back to be respectful to the members And I said to my companion, I said, what if we just went one more door? We had not had very much success. In fact, like nobody had talked to us. We'd seen a cat, you know, and (laughs) uh, like that. it was a really rough day. And my companion's like, all right, Eldermore, whatever. We can do one more. And we knocked on this door, and it was Laura and Ira DeShazer. We, We had a chance to teach them a discussion. We ended up being a little late for our lunch appointment, but we had a chance to teach them uh, but we continued to teach them and they ended up getting baptized but Laura later confided in me that day she said i had decided i was done with my marriage i was done with him and i was walking out the door and she said you knocked on our door on the very day i had decided no more i'm 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 through with this i'm not i'm i'm not putting up with this anymore and that god stepped into their life and it was Because of that one more door, that one more thing. And I think diligence, uh, going back to section four, why is it after charity? Not because it's more important than charity, but it keeps me working on charity. It keeps me going on faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, brotherly kindness, godliness. Like it, It keeps me in the process. It means that I'm never quite done. And that's okay.
1: I love, I, I feel in your words, TJ, the description of diligence in Preach My Gospel. Diligence is steady, consistent, earnest, and energetic effort in doing the Lord's work. Just prior to serving as a young missionary, uh, my grandfather, uh, Grandpa Hire, he served as a mission president in the Taiwan-Taipei mission many years ago. And uh, he invited me into his home, into his office there in Provo. It it really was my first interview with a mission president. It was businesslike. It was uh, to the point, right? I believe it was my grandfather's intent to just share some wisdom with me prior to me serving my mission. And I don't remember all that he shared. And it wasn't very long. It was fairly brief. But what I do remember him sharing was, Brian, before you enter the MTC you need to determine in your heart that you will be uh, an obedient and a hardworking missionary. And I don't know what you need to do to get there, but before you go into the MTC, you need to determine that you'll be a hardworking and obedient missionary. So I I determined to do that, and I I felt those words deeply from my grandfather. Uh, And then as I arrived in Guatemala, and I had my very first interview with with, uh, President Dennis Morrill, I said to President Morrill, President, I'm determined to be an obedient and a hardworking missionary. You don't have to worry about me. Mm-hmm. And I, I tried my best to live up to that. And so to our listeners, uh, if I could share the counsel of my grandfather with you, before you go to the MTC, determine that you'll be a diligent missionary, which I think combines hard work and obedience, and then find a way to, to share that commitment with your mission president. And then for the rest of your mission, try to live up to that. That that has served me well, uh, both as a missionary uh, and in my life. Uh, I, I want to be diligent, that the Lord would know, I can call on this young man to do this work because he's diligent.
0: You know, in all of these attributes that we've talked about over the last few episodes, I think one thing that, that comes to my mind is these really were and are the attributes of Jesus Christ. Um, not only do we love him for what he teaches and how he helps us, but he sets the ultimate example. And if we want to be Christ-centered, Christ-focused missionaries, we have the wonderful opportunity to strive to become like him. That's a, a command that, that he's given us. That's the whole purpose of our life, and it's a quest of a lifetime.
2: And he certainly was diligent in carrying out his role uh, to atone for our Absolutely. stakes.
0: And, and for each one of us, it's going to be a line upon line. It's going to be over time. Be patient with yourself. Be humble as you approach this quest to develop at Christ-like attributes. But with the Savior's help, we can, we can increase in these areas. TJ, any final words as we conclude this episode?
3: Just as you were saying that, Sean, I appreciate uh, the opportunity to share a few final words. I, I love these verses in Hebrews chapter 12. This is Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, and it says, Wherefore, seeing that we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And I think it just, for me, kind of encapsulates kind of our discussion. There's a lot of Christ-like attributes that it talks about there, right? Laying aside the things of this world, seeking for the things of better, being virtuous, seeking virtuous life, uh, having faith in Jesus Christ, looking to Him, running in that way, running with patience, having some space and grace to, to see that we're trying, we're making progress looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, and having that hope in Him and that confidence in Him, and the why. We talked about earlier this idea of having a why, that when you have a why, so often the why will, will supersede the what and the how. When the why is clear, so many things come. But I, I, I just was thinking about how grateful I am that Jesus didn't quit. What if He only suffered for half of my sins? Or like one sixteenth? He was like, ah, when I got to you, TJ, I, I, I was done. I was done I, I I just couldn't go any longer, and I'm sorry i I took care of a sixteenth of your sins. You're on your own on the rest of those and i'm I'm so grateful the joy, my joy, my family's joy, my kid's joy, my wife's joy, my future family, my grandkids and and things that like are are future for me for the joy that was set before him, he was diligent, he stayed in it, and I just am so grateful that he was humble enough and obedient enough and patient enough and that he was filled with enough love and that he had faith in God and in God's plan and, and that he hoped and had absolute abiding confidence in God that what he did would make an effect. And I'm just so grateful he was diligent that he stuck with it and that he, he paid the price for all of my sins.
0: And we're grateful for you. We're grateful that you've come and, and shared your insights with us, taking your time, and I have to say, TJ, you are an example of, of Christ-like attributes. The things that you have said in word today are backed up in action. And just want you to know Thank you. Thank how much we appreciate the time that you've, you've taken.
3: I appreciate that. I One last comment. I had a, a member when I was a missionary, and you should have seen his set of scriptures. They were... St- they were so worn, so marked up and so highlighted and literally pages falling apart and he had to tape them back in there all the time. And I I said to him one time, I said, Man, those are some well worn scriptures. And he patted me on the shoulder and he goes, Oh elder, I don't care how worn they are. I hope that they are well lived scriptures. And that has had a profound impact on me. Like one thing to study, right? But another thing to live it out loud. And I hope my life is well lived, that it looks like a well worn set of scriptures.
2: I was in the temple yesterday for my shift and uh, one of the coordinators shared the experience where he had gone to the temple and saw a brother that he knew uh, at the recommend desk speaking to another temple worker. And he saw a light kind of shining on him and he looked around to see where the light was coming from and then he realized there was no light, that that was just him. Mm. Then he described how this brother was it was christ-like attributes and he was carrying this glow about him that this other brother who came into the temple could see see.
1: reminds me of uh, president faust in in describing our efforts to build the jerusalem center and our our contract our willingness to not proselyte and uh, the comment uh, we know you won't proselyte but what do we do about the look in their eye
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Preach My Gospel Mission Prep Podcast and that it helps you in your study of Preach My Gospel and preparing you for your mission. Please join us for our next episode. And if you feel this podcast might be helpful to others preparing to serve a mission, please invite them to join us on our journey through and discovery of Preach My Gospel. For more information on how to get Institute credit for this podcast and other offerings by the Utah Valley Institute of Religion, please visit utahvalleyinstitute.com. You may also find us on Instagram at preachmygospelpodcast. Feel free to send questions or comments to Podcast at gmail.com. The Preach My Gospel Mission Prep Podcast is produced with the permission of the Utah Valley Institute of Religion. The hosts are expressing their personal views based on their own experiences, applying the principles of Preach My Gospel, and accept full responsibility for the content in these podcast episodes.